This is Blatant Misreading, a podcast where we take academic and political theory somewhere where it was never meant to go, popular culture. My name is Margie Tong-Oxley. And my name is Aaron Posner. So today we're going to be talking about the 1971 Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder. And we're also going to sprinkle in some of the atrocious 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp and the 1964 Roald Dahl children's novel. Uh, The theory we'll be talking about is Can the Subaltern Speak, which is an essay by Gayatri Chakravarti Spivak. Um, So a quick summary of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, in case you've been living under a rock for the last 50 years and don't know. Um, So it follows (laughs) Charlie Bucket, who is uh, this poor kid, lives in a shack with his mom and his dad and his four grandparents who are all bedridden. Um, His life pretty much just centers around this giant chocolate factory in town that everyone loves. And the creator of the chocolate, Willy Wonka, sends out these five golden tickets for you win like a tour of the factory because like no one ever goes in there and no one knows what's going on inside. Um, They basically go on this crazy tour of the factory. They're like tempted with, Chocolate Rivers, Everlasting Gobstoppers, Golden Geese, all these crazy uh, things. And they discover that the factory is run by Oompa Loompas, who are these little orange men with green hair uh, who get paid in candy, I guess, like because that's all they eat, apparently. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and by Charlie having like a heart of gold, unlike the rest of the kids who are bratty shitheads, he (laughs) is gifted the factory at the end, as well as sort of he gets the guardianship of the Oompa Loompas from Willy Wonka. Yeah. And so I think our inspiration for this was thinking about sort of like the Oompa Loompas with our theory. And so uh, talking about uh, can the, can the subaltern speak? So this is um, written by uh, Spivak, who is one of the most famous post-colonial scholars and much of her work kind of focuses on Indian feminism uh, this particular article engages with uh, writings by Foucault and Deleuze to ask this central question of can the subaltern speak? A question that, like, surprise, she doesn't fucking answer in the article and leaves it up to the reader to, like, figure out what she means. Um, so she basically, like, more or less critiques the work of Foucault and Deleuze as reproducing the dynamics of colonialism from their privileged place as European academics. Right. Even as they try to like critique imperialism and colonialism, they ultimately are still reproducing these dynamics. Um, like put more simply, she's basically putting forth that European or American scholars see themselves as critique critics of empire, but they're still a part of it and are re- representatives of the empire. So in that process of not understanding this and acknowledging this, they're silencing scholars from colonized populations who have experienced um actual marginalization under colonialism and so can actually speak to these issues yeah absolutely yeah and i I think it's like it's important too that like like it's such a good target that she picks foucault into losing guitari because they're these like critics who are very like leftist in their views both in their writing and like in their lives but like they're they're people who clearly see themselves as like giving a voice to subjects but she's like oh wait (laughs) like you're fucking missing something dude yeah exactly and i do feel like foucault and Deleuze are always like very much like this is about the western world both ever without ever acknowledging 
what is then the non-Western world. Right. Um, and so for this episode, we're going to be focusing on a few particular concepts to sort of um, use to read the movies and the book. So the first one's going to be this idea of the Western slash the European academic. So we should also consider uh, the United States is very much in play here. Yeah. Um, and how they end up speaking for people victimized by colonization, even though they have these good intentions. So these people who were come from societies that are were colonizers are still colonizing, um, trying to fix the problems of colonization by speaking for the colonized. Um, the second concept is this capitalist imperialistic dynamic of the first world, quote unquote, investing into the laboring third world and taking the resources and the product of their labor in the process. So it's this kind of um, idea to try and like help save the third world from yeah. their poverty and their savagery, um, but ultimately exploiting them through this process. Um, and I mean, we're gonna be just kind of talking throughout this episode about this question of like, can a colonized population speak for themselves and have their voices come through through the words of the colonizer yeah um so kind of like how do we unsilence the silenced totally um and then i think with just another like kind of minor concept is this like desire spivak brings up of like the colonized wanting to labor or sort of like this which i think is a theory that she like very much like wants to dispel of the kind of like the sort of innocent naive savage colonized person yeah. who just like wants to do good and work um and be kind of i guess like have someone have power over them yeah yeah absolutely great so we're gonna play a game we forgot to mention also that we are only appropriately eating chocolate and candy for this episode uh i am here with reese's cups cadbury dark chocolate and tropical sour patch kids which are not as good as you would hope <laughs> I'm here with four Lind chocolate bunnies left over mm. from Easter because I accidentally forgot to buy candy on my once a week uh, shopping trip during this quarantine. Okay, so before we get into the analysis, we want to play a game. And so the game is 10 questions, so a version of 20 questions. And basically, you can be anything within this movie, including inanimate objects. But no characters. I, okay. Oh. No, no, okay, okay, hear me out. Like, can it, like I, I agree, no main characters, but what about, like, extras? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm something relating to, I wouldn't say a main character, but, like, sort of a side character. Okay. Okay. Um, do you want to ask first or should I ask first? Uh, I'll ask first. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so I feel like you're asked into the first. So is it a, a, a human? No. Is it European? Sorry, I am not a human. Okay, okay. Are <laughs> you located in Europe? O often. Would you be mass produced or are you like a unique item? Sorry, that um, is I, not a yes or no question. Are you mass produced? No. That's okay. We can go lax on the yes or no's. <laughs> Are you bigger than a bread box? I, I, I'm going to give a 
more defined answer because it's going to be impossible otherwise. I am not a physical object. I, I, I do not have a concrete, consistent physical presence. Are you a con like an abstract concept? Yeah. Are you childhood joy? No. Are you the opposite? Hmm. <laughs> Are you associated with one of the children? Yeah, I'm associated with with more than one. Are Are you a characteristic that you would not want your child to have? Yeah. Are you just like, are you just like greed? No. Last question. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um. This was probably an unfair thing for me to pick. It's like more than a little impossible to guess. Okay, give me a second. Are you like gluttony? No. What are you? I, I'm like the the weird, creepy, like feeling of like Slugworth, like whispering in all these kids' ears <laughs> in this really like creepy, fucked up way for no reason. <laughs> okay. Yeah. God. So like, yeah. On, on rewatching, we were just like, we were watching the original, and just like, some, I remember that's like, oh, Slugworth is like, you know, pretending to be a spy, or his name is like not Slugworth, but like, like he just like comes up to all the kids and like like grabs them by the shoulder and like whispers in their ear and it's like I would never like I saw an adult man doing that to some kid he didn't know I'd be like what the fuck dude like well I feel like the idea is that like no one can see him except the children right wait what <laughs> well I that's how I interpret it yeah that, no no, like, no. <laughs> only you know because like how else does he like get into the middle of this crowd yeah and he, like sneaks in and like uses his like. I don't know, like Soviet slash Nazi powers. Yeah. Oh, right. We never, like we never determined. I, I looked it up. Did we talk about like this actor like is well known for playing this role and then also for playing Hitler? Like, so oh, wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I like, can't figure out if he's supposed to be like a Nazi doctor kind of figure or like yeah. a Soviet spy figure. Yeah. And then at the end, like, is he is he British at the end once he's good? Anyway, sorry, we're 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 getting out of ourselves. Um, okay, cool. okay, my turn. My turn. Are okay. you a like a character? Yes. Are you a human being? Yes. Are you an adult? Yes. Do you show up once they? Or, like, are you in any scenes once they enter the factory? No. Do you talk to Charlie? No. Ooh. Uh, are you in both of the movies? Essentially, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you don't talk to Charlie, and you're not in the factory. Fuck. Um, um are you associated most directly with one of the kids who's not charlie yes are you a parent of one of these kids no oh fucking uh does one of them have like a sibling yeah you did already say was an adult uh mm -hmm. fuck i don't know i feel like one of them doesn't have a sibling are, are you like are you like Veruca Salt's sister. No. 
Are are you Mike? Last question. Last question. Imaginary friend. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Who are you? I I am Brookus. I am the factory worker who finds the golden ticket for Brook Assault. Wait, I thought you weren't an adult. She's an adult. Those are adults who work in that factory. Wait, I thought you said you weren't an adult. Oh, I said I was an adult. Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, we both lose. <laughs> um, great. So, yeah, moving into the movie, uh, analysis of the movie. Um, so, I guess the central question pretty upfront in both of the movies, and in the book, too, if I remember right, is, like, what's, what's the deal with this factory? It's at the center of the town that they live in. Uh, there's this whole mystery. No one goes in. No one comes out. Um, and everyone's just like, yeah, what, what's going on? Right. And I mean, it is like very much like why Charlie wants to go on this tour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is this sort of like childhood wonder of like what goes on in this factory? Yeah. You know, like how do they operate this shit? No one else in the town seems to be like worried about the fact that like candy comes out, but no one goes in or out. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie is obsessed with chocolate. You know, yes. I was once a kid and ate a lot of candy then and eat a lot of candy now, but he, like, there's a scene where he buys a chocolate bar and he just, like, fucking, like, loads his mouth. He's, like, scarfing it down. <laughs> like, if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, wait, like, stop. You're going to, like, choke. Like, Well, right. And, like, the candy man guy, I, like, has to tell him, like, <laughs> this is not how you eat chocolate. You need He's to like, savor stop. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, he's, like... He's like piss poor. Like he, in both of the versions, they highlight that he is eating not cabbage soup, like cabbage water. Like those <laughs> yeah. are meals. And it, it's it's like a like, oh, like we do this every night. We just always eat cabbage water. It's like, yeah, you guys are all, like you're malnourished. You're in a bad spot. Right. And I mean, like they, and I do feel like the reoccurring theme is also that like all the grandparents have to share a bed because they can't afford yeah. like w more than one bed for these like grandparents. Yeah. Yeah, God. Um, yeah, anyways, so, and then we, we learn eventually at the center of the factory is Willy Wonka and then also this workforce, the Oompa Loompas. Um, and they're sort of at the base of, of how the factory works. Like, there, there are the nuts and bolts that keep everything going. So there's also this question of, like, oh, well, who's who's like lighting the fires you see smoke coming out of the smokestacks like what's the deal there mm -hmm. yeah and so like we very much like quickly once we enter the factory kind of like learn the backstory of the Impa Loompas, right yeah, yeah absolutely Which, who are like in the this the old the original movie it's kind of more vague about where exactly they come from yeah i feel like in the older one it seems more like maybe southeast asia yeah but in the newer one, it is very much clear that I think it, that it's supposed to be like the Amazon. Yeah, right. They're like in this like thick, humid jungle because you you see which I guess I see what they were trying to do. But in the new one, they do these sort of cutscenes of a young Willy Wonka going and exploring, and they do one of him finding the Oompa Loompas. Yeah, so misguided. It's so racist. <laughs> it's so unbelievable. Well, and they all like I think they're like supposed to be like clearly like some sort of like amazonian yeah. lion sort of tribe because they're also like worship literally worship the cocoa bean yeah which is like <laughs> yeah. 
which is like how like Willy Wonka like it gets them to come back to the factory right it's almost like a lore it's like oh god you have to have such a innocent and wholesome lens to look at the exchange that's happening between Willy Wonka and the Oompa Loompa. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this is fair. This is a fair, even deal. When I think like the other two points to mention, right, is like one and part of the reason that he's like, like offers these jobs or like, I guess like takes the Oompa Loompa is like consent is a very iffy thing that I think we can talk about in a second. Yeah. But like the, the reason Willy Wonka wants to take them is a like, there is seemingly this like upper class of like of like non oompa loompa like some other kind of group of people in this amazonian area that like are bullying the oompa loompas yeah, like abusing the oompa loompas <clears throat> who've like subjugated the oompa loompas yeah and so willy wonka is like rescuing them yeah which i do think like touches into this idea that uh spivak brings up of like at the end of for essay which kind of talks more about like uh like colonize women more directly is this idea yeah. of like the white man saving the brown woman from the brown man which she right. does like complicate and say like this brown woman can represent sort of um not just women but like lower caste people right um in colonized in, in colonized society is sort of different sort of like low class or subjugated people yeah Right, exactly. And it's just like the dynamic is fucked because it's like Willy Wonka is like, oh, God, look at this inhumane world that you live in. <laughs> like, I know better. I'm from England, America, vague European and or American town. Like, let me like bring you to civilization <laughs> where things are not dangerous and safe. <laughs> well, <laughs> and like, and I think and then the other reason, right, like that he wants to bring them is because like, his whole like company was like ravaged by like <laughs> like like company like secret leaks where, yeah like, yeah people... by corporate intrigue <laughs> yes where like it's like very much this like weird sort of like cold war spying yeah. metaphor where like the spies come in and like steal Willy Wonka's chocolate secrets and then like make profit off of them yeah and so the idea is that Oompa Loompas like won't do that because I mean, I think there is this kind of like the 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 pure heart of the savage, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and that sort of gets to. I mean, so they s speak, especially in the first one, only in songs, pretty much. Yeah, and there are all these songs that sort of have they have these very direct morals, and they express sort of their wisdom. So it's really just like fully investing in the idea of the noble savage of like. Yes. You know, all they care about is being good and eating chocolate. And when someone is not good, they're like, "Oh, you should have been good. Let me let me tell you this fun little song I wrote about it." It's just like, oh god. Well, and I feel like we don't even like really need to touch on this because I feel like this is almost like too obvious. Is like just like the fact that they're orange. Yeah. In the in the original, it's just like because I mean, it's like clearly they picked a color where like if they were like that they could avoid doing a direct black face yellow face like red yeah. face sort of thing yeah but that's still a color that comes off like vaguely ethnic right exactly yeah they're they're certainly like whatever they are they're not white like yes. there's no question that they are not white and like and even like it's very clear the way they set it up they're like they're not coming from the european continent like it's like 
they are the other. And so it's it's like this very we, we talked about it's like this very lazy stereotype because it's yeah. like, like, oh, like what? What is the stereotype that you're trying to make? But it's something. It's certainly some stereotype, despite the fact that it's just kind of like a lazy, half-assed stereotype. Yeah, and like at least and like the new movie tries, I feel like, to fix this by just like casting an Indian man and not like yeah. putting him in makeup. But it, it's unclear whether or not this is an improvement or not. <laughs> whether sure. or not that's better. It's sort of an impossible question because it's like, oh, I, I guess that would be the thing to do. But you're like, but, but that just almost conjures all the problems with like these like exported laborers all the more clearly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, and, I, and then also I know we need to talk about the fact of like what, like their like language. Yeah. Because like they also clearly speak English and say give these songs in English. Yeah. Um, but they clearly, they have this sort of like nonsensical native language that we don't ever learn anything about other than yeah. like these untranslatable terms that Willy Wonka kind of like brings out to sort of like mystify the children, which I don't even like know how to quite like replicate the words, but yeah. just like goober gobbers or like things like that all, all the weird like vocabulary words that he throws around and they're like you're making up words and he's like i'm not making up words this is the language that the oompa loompas speak yeah it's very like dr seuss yeah i think well and then he like calls them with a flute which is like why why do they need to be like summoned with like a magic flute thing yeah when they speak english yeah the the so with the flute and all that kind of thing where he like summons them and it's, it's I don't think he does literally snap his fingers, but it's almost like he's just like snapping his fingers. It's a yes. very servitude slave like imagery. And then it be, yeah, just contributes to like, Oh, summon like a snake charmer. And it's like, yeah, that's a good Christ, point. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like trying to play with this idea of like the factory, like whistle or bell. Mm. that like calls workers but like yeah. kind of adding this sort of like oriental aspect to it yeah definitely um <laughs> just a lot of just like a lot of just clearly racist stereotypes happening all around these influencers yeah and i think it's funny because like if you were to take a really good faith post-colonial lens on the Oompa in this movie you could be like they are coding, right? They're speaking mm -hmm. in their own sense of communication and they talk to themselves. And like Willy Wonka is someone who they view as um, like on their side. And so like mm -hmm. they, you know, they, they talk amongst themselves and it doesn't matter that all these kids and all the kids' parents don't understand because they're tangential to the Oompa Loompas. Yes. And that would be a really good faith interpretation. But like obviously... The inclusion of it by Roald Dahl and the inclusion of it in both the movies in the first place is like recreating all these dynamics and stereotypes that is like, yeah, that's too good faith because the filmmakers are like, that's not what they intended. They're like indulging in all these like things like, oh, like, you know, the natives have a different language and we don't understand it, but it doesn't matter. Right. And I mean, I think Willy Wonka is like intended to be this sort of like, um, like this heart of darkness character. Yeah. Of, like, the European man who, like, went into the heart of darkness and then came out with, like, this, like, element of savagery in mm -hmm. him within, totally. like, deep in his heart that he's now able to sort of, like, interpret for the savage totally. through what he's gained in that in the darkness. Totally. And, he, right, it's almost like Willy Wonka is portrayed as this very pure, 
you know, he doesn't fit in with society. All he knows how to do is make chocolate and he's a sort of troubled genius. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he has this connection with these like, you know, pure colonized people. Yes. <laughs> Whereas like yes. everyone else except Charlie, like, wouldn't get it because they're not pure. Yeah, it's like the it's like the white man escaping to like the like native tribe. Yeah, yeah, to get help. away from the troubles of civilization. Yeah. God. Um and I think like maybe a middle ground we can also hold to kind of like be in between this like good faith reading and this like just like bad faith reading, I yeah. suppose. Is like I we can, I guess, interpret like the Oompa Loompa songs are like very much holding a moral high ground against the children. Yeah. Because they're basically songs in which they're like, you're fuckheads. <laughs> um, and you're like selfish and greedy and like this is why bad stuff happens to you because yeah. you're like on our turf. And I mean, they're like very humorous songs too, which I feel like is a very classic kind of like um like colonized form of resistance. It's like the use of humor and the use of like especially like humor that like is like masks very like criticism of yeah. the colonizer. No, absolutely. Right, right. And it's you almost want someone to make an understated drama just about the implementers. <laughs> yes. Like an A24 ass, like like really edgy drama that just focuses on the Oompa Loompas. Yes. Because also it's like, there is like this question of like, after the movie's over is like, do the Oompa Loompas like accept the rule of like Charlie Buckets? This like actual child? Or like, because well, like, I mean, there's like, of course the like question that's never answered of like, why can't the Oompa Loompas like take over the factory for themselves here? Yeah. Why would they not rise up? They have, they outnumber Willy Wonka dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> They're everywhere. There's so many of them. Which, yeah, I, th- since we might not have another place for this question, that really, like, raises the question of, like, how, how long has it been that the Oompa Loompas are working here? I mean, how long does an Oompa Loompa live? Is Willy yes. Wonka just, does he periodically go back to Loompa Land and be like, ah, yeah, yeah, we need some more. We're going to go back to England or America, wherever we are. Like, hey, come on. <laughs> what, is the, what is the, like, trade network of this Oompa Loompa? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, because, like, presumably he does have, like, some sort of sourcing of, like, of, like, raw chocolate, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So that would open up, it. like, that would open up a trade route already to, like, resource Oompa Loompas as well. Yeah. From Oompa Loompa land. Right. Just get them on the way every, every third trip. Well, and it's, like, interesting because, like, when I was reading about, like, the actors of the original Oompa Loompas, like, they are, like, a variety of ages, too. Like, there's, like... Oompa Loompa actors who are, like, in their 70s in this movie, but, like, the way they've, like, made the characters is it, like, collapses those age differences. Right. You, there's no, in the, especially in the old one, right, you like, can't see any, like, wrinkles, anything like that. It's just sort of, like, this flat, painted face. Exactly. Well, and, like, one of the actors is even, like, a female actor, right? But you, right. like, kind of lose her gender in this, too. Like, right. she is this sort of, like, you know, default sex male figure, but really meant to be as a sort of, like, anonymous laborer yeah totally right they're they're all reduced to a the fact that they are an other the fact that they're foreign not from here and then b the fact that they work yeah so this maybe takes us to the figure of willy wonka who who actually sort of works almost like troublingly well within (laughs) the spivak's framework yes (laughs) so i mean i I, I love this movie, I should say, the old one. Um, I love Gene Wilder. I think it's a fantastic movie. 
rewatching it, it's almost shocking how much he's just an image of like a capitalist imperialist. Mm-hmm. He just like he like is not part of the state at all, but he's everywhere. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone's in love with him. He's completely ubiquitous in culture. Um, he acts as maybe not a proxy for the state, but he, you know, clearly is engaging with the sovereignty of other places. He just goes to other the, to Lumpa land, uh, you know, unannounced or whatever, and just exports people from there. You know, it's like almost like he's like has his own little factory capitalist country in this chocolate factory. Yeah. And like, if we are setting this um, film in like the height of the cold war, he seems to be not yeah. subjected to any sort of like trade restrictions, tariffs. Like he is able to ship chocolate to both the first world, the second world, and the third world, like no right. problem at all. Um, and seeming like overnight as well. Yeah. Um, like he is not subjected to like international politics, to any sort of policing by the state, which yeah. seemingly doesn't exist in the film at all. Right, yeah, you don't see any any representative. There's no, like, civil servant anything. There's no yeah. government. And, like, even, like, Charlie Bucket, actually all of the parents of the children, like, all are in private enterprise. Yeah. I, I guess except for um, Mike TV's dad, right, who is, like, a politician in the newer one. Oh, word, yeah. And it's, it's I, I when I rewatched last night, I saw that, they mentioned really briefly that Violet's dad, in addition to being, I think, a car salesman, is a local politician. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Not Mike TV. Okay, yeah. Violet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which very... means... yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, it's like very much this, like, like, this idea of, like, government, though, like, where, like, it's being run by the businessman. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's almost like there's, like, the bad businessman who is sort of the, like, the, the crook. And that's yes. like Violet's dad, but there's like the good, wholesome businessman, and he just cares about chocolate and all the like presence he has in <laughs> all these other countries exporting, I guess, not human beings because they're very clear that the Oompa Loompas are not human, <laughs> but just like exporting people. It, it's just like it doesn't matter because all he cares about is chocolate, it's all in the service of something good, it's, which is fucked, <laughs> right? And we do see like another kind of like because we have the car salesman businessman, but we like Baruka's father like owns like a major factory business as well like yeah. also in the kind of like uh the food industry right because he like yeah makes, salt peanuts yeah he makes all the peanuts which presumably like maybe Willy Wonka actually buys Ooh. or like could buy right to make his like peanut Willy Wonka bars yeah Willy Wonka looks down on him he's like yeah you're just my fucking peanut provider <laughs> yes you don't, exactly. you don't get it you don't get childhood joy yeah, there's no creative process in the like shelling peanuts. <laughs> yeah, the the sweatshop vibes in um in the old one in the peanut factory are <laughs> insane. Well, right, and I mean, I feel like there is this like feeling of them maybe being like like Eastern European workers too. Yeah, but like a very subtle kind of feel to it. Yeah, yeah, and so Spivak talks a fair amount about like we mentioned the quote-unquote first world invests in the quote-unquote third world and that's why they're there or that's you know one reason you could give for colonialism and imperialism happening is the sort of capitalist investment and then 
in exchange for that investment, they get labor and then they also get to export the product back to mm-hmm. the colonial center, back to, you know, to England, to give a historical example. And, and Willy Wonka just mirrors that exactly. It's exactly what she's talking about. It's he gets the Oompa Loompas. He, 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 the only difference is he literally brings back the labor. But presumably, yeah, he's also getting the chocolate. Like, it's interesting that it's a chocolate factory specifically. This, like, very clear historical example of colonialism. And now right. chocolate is global. But it's like, it wasn't global back then, like, right. how like, many years ago? Or, like, chocolate was, like, one of the first sort of, like, globalized colonial products. Like, very yeah. literally. Of, like, a symbol the British used to be, like, look at us. The British and the Spanish and other European countries used to be, like, look at us. Like, we're so fucking rich. And we have so much power. We can drink chocolate at our table. Right. Because it's like, yeah, the the only way it would be more clear is if, like, he was running, like, a tea factory. (laughs) Yeah. It's like like the British being like, oh, fuck, so glad we have tea. Like, (laughs) imperialism, such a good idea. Love tea. But it's just like, it's so bald-faced. It's insane. Well, and, like, the, the 2005 movie, like, does open up right because i mean spivak is like there's like emphasizes this point of like you take the labor from the colonized people but like they don't receive the fruits of that labor yeah right? like the call the colonizers do but in the 2005 movie like we do have that like weird ass opening scene with like the um like some sort of like prince like figure <laughs> like some sort of like saudi prince it's like kind of unclear yeah. Uh, very Aladdin vibes. Yeah, um, right. It, it's just vague, you know, somewhere south, southeast of Europe. Yeah, could somewhere. Could be like a Taj Mahal thing. Yeah. Could be not, Some could be more Persian. It's really unclear. But he makes like, like he gets, like Willy Wonka gets contracted to make like a literal kind of like Taj Mahal type palace out of chocolate for yeah. this prince who then like wants to live in it like a fool because he lives in like an arid climate um, <laughs> and so the chocolate palace melts and he dies right and so like if we take like also especially with like the new Oompa Loompas being played by Deep Roy who is like an Indian American actor like it kind of does have this connection of like the 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 fruits of the colonized labor going back in some ways to yeah the land of the colonized but in a way that they like kind of but like it's proof that they can't handle those fruits yeah right yeah, like it's, it's, it's too just, much yeah the new movie just really sort of like it's like i see where you're going but you really like bungled it like, yes oh, you made it worse in the process of bungling yeah it. and it like just like creates a stereotype of like of like the like if like the noble savage like encounters the like the like temptations of the west they're like like they become corrupt you know and are ruined by it because they like just it just like awakens all of these like evils of them no totally and it's so god the image of willy wonka being like yeah you're an idiot dude to the prince (laughs) it's so like why include this like jesus fucking christ it it adds nothing to the film and never like matters in contrast to the oh my god in the original all the little cut scenes which i totally forgotten about from like when i saw it when i was a kid but when they're all searching for the golden tickets and like there's the scene where 
the woman's husband has been like kidnapped and they call <laughs> he's like a hostage and they're like, yeah. what do you want and they're like uh like we just want your case of wonka bars and she's like give me time to think about it like it's a like comedy gold like all these little cutscenes in the in the original are so funny they're just like worthless in the new one we do have to acknowledge that one of those cut like one of those sort of like side stories is like about like a forged golden ticket that like is from like yeah, is God. it from like paraguay yeah paraguay yeah which in the new movie they make the they make russia um Word. so really really updating their kind of like who is the hated country here? Yeah. So actually that maybe gets us to the setting and then we, we skipped it, but we can come back to the buckets themselves. Yes. Um, but the setting is interesting in the old movie, especially because the book you would only assume is somewhere in England. Because and, I think, and, I think, and I think it is explicitly maybe in England. Yeah. Because I feel like most of his books like interact with the, um, with like the royal family in one way or another. Mm, yeah, totally. But like the and I assumed when I went to rewatch the old movie the first time that it would be just in England. But then it's like Charlie is American. His entire family is American. Willy Wonka is American. And like most everyone you hear in the town is also American. Yes. But like it looks very European. It does not look like an American town. Well, and even like the factory that's existing like in the yeah. middle of this town, especially like if this movie's set in the sixties, it is kind of like why is there sort of this like village type feel that I feel like doesn't really exist in America at right. this time? Yeah, totally. Yeah, the first shot is like a, is like a big church at the center of the town of the old movie. Yes. It's like it's a fucking European town. Like Yeah, like where is this being shot in the States? Well, and yeah. it is like very literally being filmed in Munich too. Yeah, in yeah. Um, yeah, and the factory, sorry, brief uh, side note that's totally unrelated. I, like, cannot look at the factory in the old one without thinking about Auschwitz. Like, it's oh. just, like, the like the sign, <laughs> it's, like, all the, like, the curly, like, iron letters. It's it's just, like, very, <laughs> what, like, work will set you free or whatever the fuck it says. It's just, like, I was just, like, why, why this? Like, I'm sitting here in 2020 watching this, isn't what, and this is what I'm thinking about. You're making this movie what like 25 years after the holocaust like surely someone would be like what the fuck right and it, and it does find the question of like why i mean there probably is like a practical reason they filmed in munich yeah um like i don't imagine they were like this is like where we imagine this film but probably some sort of like there was probably like some sort of incentive financially yeah. to film there but it is like very much like europe still exists in this film i think it's important right it's yeah, not definitely. like they're living in this like kind of vague imaginary outside of our like current the, like the contemporary political sphere yeah definitely and and that gets sort of to that it, it, there's like a quote somewhere from the producers that is like oh we wanted it to be very indistinct you know where is it and so it is a little bit of a fantasy land vibe but you're like absolutely mm -hmm. like on target because it's like wherever fantasy land is it's certainly in the west it's certainly yes. either Europe or America or Canada. You know, it's just like, it is a Western country, no doubt. And it is like absolutely taking place the time that the movie was being filmed to, just by the fact that like there is yeah. a West Germany. Yeah. That yeah. one of the kids, that like what Blue is from. Yeah, right. He's not from Austria. He's from like West Germany. Like yes. it's, it's very on the nose. Like we are Western. We are like not 
like it, we are at the colonial center. We are not in the Soviet Union. Like the yes. Soviets are evil. We're good. We're in the West. Yes. And there is like also in America that exists that is separate from like, yeah. where the factory is because I feel like both Violet and Mike TV's family are, are representations of this sort of like post-World War II American culture with like the cowboy obsession with the car salesman. And and so, yeah, God, like that that ties into the image of Willy Wonka, like through Spiak's framework so well that it's like the movie is like very Cold War. And it's very like the, the, the really good people in the movie are Willy Wonka, Grandpa Joe and Charlie. And yes. Willy Wonka is like this image of like how to of like, of like capitalist success. And then yes. Charlie is just like enters into it through like a perpetuation of an upward mobility myth. <laughs> Because he's like yes. pissed poor and it's like, oh, but you're pure. So like you can have access to colonialist imperialism. Yeah. And to tie in um, Spivak, like she um, has this section kind of dispelling the myth of the kind of global proletariat, right? right. Like, like she, it's this kind of idea that like for colonized people, the working class of Europe is the bourgeoisie for them. Right. Like, they are the landlords of the colonial world still. Right. Um, there is no, like, universal struggle. Yeah. Um, and you see this play out, like, almost perfectly in yeah. Charlie Chocolate Factory, right? Where, like, like, theoretically, like, Charlie, the Bucket family and the Oompa Loompas are in the same, like, quote-unquote, like, class. They're all pro in the proletariat. Yeah. Like, they're landless. They're workers. Um, you know, they're both, like, piss poor. Um, but Charlie, like, has this way to becoming, like, the bourgeoisie, to becoming, like, a land owner, a factory owner. Right. Um, even if through, like, this sort of, like, lottery system, right? It, yeah. It's unlikely, but he still has the ability to, where this is not open to the influences as a pathway um, up. Yeah, totally. And it's almost like... It would be a very different movie if you were, like, what does a global proletariat look like? Like, how can mm -hmm. we undo these dynamics if if it's possible at all but like in order to create a sort of like actual like global resistance right and maybe that's sort of what Spivak is like in dialogue with but this movie is not concerned with that at all this movie <laughs> is concerned with like okay well like it's fine for Charlie because like he can get out because he is American European like he's white and so he's good like mm -hmm. he has an avenue and he's fine fuck the Oompa Loompas right and it's like and it's like not, I would even be better if like one of the other kids was like not white, right? <laughs> like it would suggest that maybe that there is the human proletariat and then like whatever these subhumans are. Right. Um, but it's very literally like white people versus non white people. Yeah, they're the only, they're, I don't think there's a single not white person in the original, right? Besides like the vague, because I feel like we technically get a little bit of a shot of like, the people in Paraguay who like forge a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. But like that's that's it. Like that's the only sort of sense of um like the the orient that we get in one way or another. Right. Yeah, these like dirty liars. Yes. Horrifying. Um yeah, and so then I also wanted to mention this point of like the buckets and the Oompa Loompas are two sides of the animalization coin in this story, mm -hmm. I think. And we haven't really talked about the animalization of labor and of colonized peoples that much 
Yeah. Um, and it's obviously a very persistent thing throughout history. But like the buckets, they like live in like a fucking barn. Like it like that's the closest thing it looks to. It's like a hovel. It's a shack. And it's like mm-hmm. they're just like these like wage slaves working this like menial labor. Like Charlie like delivers papers. His mom washes laundry like and, and they're, you know, yeah, like living in a shack. And the Oompa Loompas, by contrast, are sort of like pets almost like they're like yeah. they're like kept. Yeah. Right. And I mean, like the Oompa Loompas are working alongside in the 71 movie alongside geese and in the 2005 movie alongside like literal squirrels Um, (laughs) yeah who like also are kind of like at least the like the geese are just sort of like like laying their eggs like kind of making having more passive labor i guess where like the squirrels are very much like in an active kind of like factory sweatshop (laughs) setting of like shelling these nuts right um which also makes by, like the 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 salt family's peanut factory kind of obsolete as well yeah um which is like an interesting dynamic right willy wonka shooting for the monopoly yes like he no longer he's like vertically integrating this process yeah <laughs> um but right like like the umpalimpas are very much like compared to animals on a frequent basis here yeah like, I mean, the idea is that they're, like, not at risk of spelling secrets because they're not human. Yeah, because why would they? It's like, they, they have nothing to gain. Of course, they would have something to gain, but it's like, it's putting forth the image that it's like, no, they're too pure. They wouldn't do it. Yes, yes. They have, like, the innocence that only an animal can. Yeah. Well, and, like, talking about Charlie also, I mean, like, the fact that his last name is, like, Bucket, Bucket. right? Like, his last name is, like, and I guess, like, Broca Salt is as well, but I feel like even yeah. to a more extent, like, his his family's identity is like to be this sort of like tool yeah um because his mom in the original is like a lawn like does laundry right so like yeah works with a bucket and she herself <laughs> is like a bucket <laughs> and so they're sort of like dehumanizing this sort of like like tool-esque way as well yeah and it's not it's not any sort of like noble image it's not like charlie axe or like something it's like like bucket it's like like where you put like garbage Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And like t- Mike TV is like this item of luxury, right? Yeah, totally. Okay, so I think the only other thing to talk about is just trying to discern what kind of choice the Oompa Loompas do or don't make. Mm-hmm. Like, are, are they willing participants? Sort of the, the question of consent and how tricky it is in the situation that you brought up, like to discern whether there is any consent that they could possibly be giving. Yes. I, I mean, and to, like, kind of broaden it, it's, like, like, the question we need to answer is, like, can the Oompa Loompa speak? Right. And I, I sort of side that, like, we just don't even have the information that we would need to determine the answer to that question. Because mm-hmm. all we hear is these very, you know, songs that it seems like a sort of, like, Willy Wonka has, like, created these points where the songs happen in the journey, and then Willy Wonka interprets for them. Mm. And so what we hear can necessarily, I feel like, not be like true, quote unquote, because it's, it's not the right information. I, okay, I hear that, but I like slightly disagree, right? Like, okay. like, because I think like, thinking about Spivak, like the problem that she brings up with like Foucault is like, right, Foucault is thinking about the West and the not West, but he yeah. never actually like brings in a voice of the non-West. Yeah. Where like, if we look at at least this movie, like we as an audience still get the i guess like the raw source of the subaltern yeah 
So you, okay, we yeah. can we can like choose to not trust Willy Wonka's interpretation and take that as like the Western interpretation and reinterpret ourselves. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm actually with you. I think that's a great point. Yeah, but it, I mean, it brings us back to the ultimate question as to people who live in the United States and are not from Oompa Loompa land, like, our interpretation still silences them? Like, right. like, do we have the ability to make them speak? And I think the answer is no. Yeah, I, th- I think the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> Which, like, maybe I guess, like, leads us back to the same problem. As long as there are Oompa Loompas, there are no Oompa Loompas who are running a podcast in which they are interpreting... <laughs> <laughs> this movie and so ultimately the Oompa can never speak for themselves because they don't have interpreters of themselves right god yeah <laughs> i do feel like almost like if the new one had been made in 2020 as opposed to 2005 there would be like a little scene where the Oompa Loompas were like making a podcast because they have all these <laughs> little like slices of Oompa Loompa life in the factory in the new one yeah 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 yeah, okay. yeah. go ahead <laughs> I was like, only if the Oompa Loompas could unionize, you know? <laughs> yeah, I would love to see that sequel. Yeah, and I also like a book, like, I do think that Spivak is connecting her, her ideas very much to, like, actual Southeast Asian socialism. Yeah. That, like, argued that, like, the third world needed to exist as a movement because, like, the first world can never, first and second world could never understand the problems of the colonized right absolutely like uh, the narrative of the third yeah yeah exactly and i think that we see this play out very well and kind of like i mean like i think like <laughs> a southeast asian socialist would see this movie and be like this is the problem yeah totally so let's just to close i guess touch on the difference between the two movies yes <laughs> I love the old movie. I loved it as a kid. I loved it when I like rewatched it when I was a teenager and I loved it when I like rewatched it now as an adult. It's like about childhood joy. Like I rewatching last night, it just opens with the opening credits or this long sequence of just mm. making chocolate. And it's like this super loving sequence, a lot of warmth and just like showing the process of chocolate making. Um, and Gene Wilder is great at the role because it's very, it's warm, but it's funny and it's surreal and absurdist. And it's just like a well-made very funny in a way i didn't realize movie Mm -hmm. the old the new one is terrible it's so bad like and i think that they just like don't put the effort in the right place at all like i will say like i think that the music is better like i think the oompa loompa songs are better i think like i think it's um it's sad to lose the kind of like musical quality other places that the old one has right um, but I think that the Oompa Loompas themselves are much more dynamic in the new one. Uh, I mean, I think, like, Deep Boy just, like, fucking kills it. As yeah, he is amazing. Every Oompa Loompa. <laughs> um, and I think that the... I think that the setting is better, but I think that could also be a difference in, like, like ability to make, like, different, like, s- like scenery. Totally. Uh, 40 years later, right? Like, I just think they have more ability to, like, create complex scenes and use CGI now. Yeah, it's almost like it, it, it's better, right? And it's, it should be said, like, this is being made by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp. This is like an all-star cast and crew. But yes. But, like, setting us, like, it's almost like it is, quote-unquote, better, but there's something lost. There's there's nothing, like, tactile. It doesn't feel real. It feels just sort of, like, empty and vacuous. Yes. Right. It has, like, the problem of, like, <laughs> the Star Wars prequels. Right. Where it's, like, too much CGI, not enough, like, kind of, yeah, like, textured 
it's all too like smooth i mean even like johnny depp's like actual face is like way too smooth and his gloves and and his gloves everything about him is like too smooth yeah in this film his hairstyle is too smooth yeah no and i think you're exactly right it's just like the effort is being put in the wrong places there are these Mm -hmm. slices of good things like when when the when they're going in the glass elevator at the end of the new one and they like the doll like hospital wing joke that's hilarious because the dolls like, blew up at the beginning like that's a yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny joke. but it's just like it's it's just empty it, like i i really can't get over the idea that like johnny depp and tim burton sat down and were like what are some weird ideas we have and they wrote a list and then they just like organized this movie around them and that could be good but it's not here yeah i mean i think the ultimate problem is that like that the 71 movie is leaning into this theme and this idea of like childhood wonder of like mystery like we don't get answers to who Willy Wonka is like how did he get here we just sort of like see the world through Charlie's eyes and so Charlie stays the center of this film because we're just as confused as him and we only learn things the way he learns them right um we're in the new one like by doing so many cutscenes, like we lose Charlie like we have so much more information than the protagonist and things that like kind of I guess almost like shatter the wonder and the mystery of this story. And so we lose like this like I think magicalness that the 71 movie has. Totally. Yeah, and we talked about this for a second too. Charlie in the new one is weird. I love yes. Freddie Highmore, the kid. He was like at the peak of his child acting career during that. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, August Rush banger. Yeah, God. But he's just <laughs> he's like weird. He's like really wise. And he like, yes. all the adults are like, yeah, buy some chocolate with the money that you have, that you like found. And he's like, no, I can't do that. And I guess he does that in the old one too, but he's just like, he's so, such a non-character in the new one. He's like wise and he has all this wisdom, but there's there's no like childhood innocence. There's no like impulsiveness really like. Yeah, there's no him eating chocolate way too fast, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Perfect distillation. <laughs> yeah. Um. But just like Jesus. Yeah. And I, I really stand by the fact that you could get everything that you're like wanting in the new one that's not there by watching Edward Scissorhands and then watching The Nightmare Before Christmas after. Uh, two Tim Burton agree. movies that are like really doing it well. Yes. Absolutely. And also, like, um, though, if you want some Helen Bone Carter, which I think we, she's yeah. poorly cast in this film, it's like a waste of her talent. Yeah, it's a shame. Like, al- like, also just watch Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, Helena Bottom Carter, amazing movie. Yeah. Great interpretation. And like also an interpretation, just like this movie. Yes. Yeah. Like, a good interpretation doesn't try to be the original, but like carries the spirit of it and does it well. It's like, Jesus. Maybe I guess we should wrap this up before because I feel like if I go on on this, I'm just gonna like explode about how bad this movie is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great episode. More coming. Uh, we're setting up a Patreon, so check us out on Patreon. We will have levels and all that good stuff. Uh, Blatant Misreading is produced by Josie Baker and created and written by Margie Tong Oxley and Aaron Posner. Intro music is by Connor James, and our cover art is by Hannah Grimes. Blatant Misreading is recorded and produced in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Brooklyn, New York. Ooh. Ooh.